Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Excited about today's episode. It is the Bueller Bardwell takeover of the Be Real podcast. We're doing a few episodes. We're Indigo 108, the new health and well being program at Be Well Psychotherapy, does a few episodes and takes over the Be Real podcast. So, missing Diana and Adnisha, but so happy to be here with my guest today and extra excited because we are going international today. Our guest is based in London and is truly scrumptious. So, I'm really excited to introduce Emma Bardwell, who is a registered nutritionist and a women's health expert, as well as co-author of the recent book, The Perimenopause Solution. Let me go ahead and welcome you right in. Hi, Emma. Hello. Thank you. I've never been introduced as scrumptious before. It's a first. Well, you certainly are that. So I'm glad that um, maybe it'll become a, a trend or a tradition that that's how you prefer to be introduced from now on. I'm going to insist on it. You can put it in your rider every time you're asked for an interview. Well, I just am really happy to see your face. Everyone, I'm able to see Emma's face. You're able to hear her gorgeous voice as we do this conversation about sleep. It's our winter solstice episode. In her book, Emma has a whole chapter on sleep. She also does these amazing 10-minute clinics on Instagram where people write in and ask questions and she gives really practical tips and solutions both in the book and in your kind of IG live slash videotaped 10-minute clinic. So we're going to do a little bit of that further along in the episode. But first, I just kind of want to start and let you tell people who you are, maybe not necessarily what you would typically do, right? We don't want this to be too dry and formal. Often I ask people sort of like, just tell us some interesting things about yourself, about your zodiac sign, if you do that, or if you know your Ayurvedic constitution, tell us about that, or just any, like what your favorite color is, whatever it is, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Emma, to get us going. Oh my God, Liz, you really put me on the spot here. (laughs) 
I am, I, well, I, I'm a Piscean, so I am wishy-washy, can't make a decision, you know, dreamy, find it very hard to get focused, but I can assure you that for tonight, for today, it's, it's my tonight, it's your today, we are going to be, yeah, very much targeted talking about sleep, because I know that it affects so many people, right? Yeah. And you know what? I love to go with the flow. I'm Cancerian actually. So I'm a fellow water sign. So we'll just sort of let the conversation take us where it's going to go. Let's ebb and flow. Yeah, exactly. You know, keep it loose. We're going to go with the flow tonight, today, night for you, day for me, and just talk a little bit about winter and how winter naturally kind of supports sleep. As we do that, I want you to sort of pull from your experience of working with people as a nutritionist, as a health counselor, and also from your own experience. You know, we can share from our own experiences also. First, I just wanted you to sort of talk about this, how you chose to start working in nutrition. I've known you since we were in our 20s. Our origin story is actually an international one that starts in Japan, even though we didn't actually meet each other until New York. Watching you go through your career and decide to become a nutritionist and then take it even uh, deeper into working with people who are going through perimenopause and not just including the physical health side of that, but the mental health, because you know, at Be Well Psychotherapy, we love when people start centering mental health. So just sort of take me through how that process and how you decided when you became a nutritionist to really focus in on this population of people. I think, yeah, it's a great question. It's for, for me, specializing in women's health was important because it, it just, we don't get enough airtime you know, we women's health in general is under under researched, underfunded, under recognised, and so what I was seeing when I first started, you know, seeing women in uh, in my clinic was that they weren't getting the answers that they needed. They were really confused. Uh, most of their issues were related to hormonal health, um, and they basically were being kind of fobbed off by their doctors and feeling you know, quite lost and very, very confused. So, you know, you will know this yourself. The first thing that you do when you're, you know, when you have some kind of condition is to Google it, unfortunately. You know, as a result of that, women were getting very mixed messages. It, it, it was becoming very kind of confusing for them. And basically, I just wanted to slice through all of that confusion so that women could get evidence-based, you know, knowledge, answers that they could trust. Can I just ask you, I know the healthcare system is different there in England than it is here in the U.S. Here in the U.S., one of the issues is that there's not a lot of time spent or dialogue between care providers, doctors, and people who are coming in to receive the care. And so is that is that true in England also? Is that one of the things that you're able to provide for people is more of a dialogue and questions and back and forth and giving them a chance to sort of come up with their own ideas about what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So here we have a state service, the, the NHS, you know, it provides 
free healthcare across the board. But as you can imagine, it is it's currently with COVID and everything else that's happening, it is pretty much on its knees. So it's really, really stretched. So the average time that you would spend with a doctor is about seven and a half minutes. And for most women, if they've got something quite, usually hormone related conditions are quite complex, you know, it, it, they don't usually have enough time to be able to go into enough depth. So yeah, it's very much, I think, nutritionists like me, dietitians, people that are offering this kind of more of a one-to-one service, it's almost a, a large part of it. And you will, you know, you will resonate with this yourself, is the fact that it's, it's very therapeutic. It's building up that kind of therapeutic relationship. And for lots of women, just being listened to, you know, just being heard, being able to kind of go through all the things that probably have been going on for, on average, seven years. That's the kind of average time that it takes for a diagnosis. It makes them feel, that makes them feel infinitely better before we've even kind of started moving on to a protocol or a program or a plan. Yeah, that is really important. Also, this consistency, this ability to return to someone as things you st- you know you start paying attention to things yeah and you notice what's going on and then you're like oh actually i'm noticing that there's this link between what i'm eating and how i'm able to sleep or how early i eat in the day and then how early i'm able to get up the next morning so it's it's important i think for people to be able to come back to the same person and know that that's who they're going to see and all of that stuff in order to build that trust and to build their own ability to trust their own knowing right their own totally their own knowing yeah totally so a lot of the women that I work with I will work with for a minimum of three months and one of my programs I set up a private whatsapp group so it's just me and the client and so we get to know each other intimately I mean some women will send me every single thing that they eat and drink because they don't trust themselves right they will send me you know pictures of of meals they will ask me about ingredients they will I will check in with them at the weekend you know we really do I mean I feel very very close to some of them and for some of them I think it's quite a wrench when the relationship finishes you know so we I've given them these tools that they need to be able to kind of go off and 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 kind of function on their own but for some it is it it can be you know it's it's very much a like I said, it's a therapeutic kind of relationship. And we we do, I get to know them really, really quite well. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, keeping the relationship going, that's one of the things that the book can do, right? Is that they, they can then have your voice and return to you over and over again, even if they're no longer working with you. So both that and the way you're present on social media, I mean, you know, social media, that's a whole other podcast, right? But it does give people access to all, you give so many good tips and advice and all of that. And your personality comes through both in the book when you're doing your Instagram stuff. So Mm, um, it's so, you know, I think that's important too, because not everybody can come and do a three month intensive program, but the ability to have access to the information and access to the the approach, you know, the approach that you have, which is, I'm not going to tell every single person to do the same thing or never eat this or never do that, or you have to make all of these changes. And I think that's a really cool part about about the way that you work. It's the same in the way that I work in my program because we use the 
system of yoga and Ayurveda, right, from India. And those are all based on there is no one thing that is right mm-hmm. for every everyone. The one thing is knowing yourself, becoming aware and paying attention, and then getting the information, getting the information. I so- think as well, it's important to point out there isn't a one size fits all. So, you know, there is what I wanted to do in the book and what I try and do on social media too, is to try and give a kind of smorgasbord of options. And so women can pick and choose the ones that work for them because we all have completely different lives and lifestyles and family commitments and so I try not to be finger waggy I try not to be too preachy because I think people really turn off you know they just shut down when you start telling them what to do I want them to kind of work it out for themselves almost and and kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together yeah and just you know it's never you write and work specifically for perimenopause but also all of these skills of all these different tools First of all, can be you can need different things at different times during this period of your life. And then leading up to this period of your life or after this period of your life, you can still use all of these tools to just sort of like develop that self-knowledge, right? And the the and, and the ability to listen and understand and experiment with with all the things that you're trying out. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, if you're talking about, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about in the book is actually some sort of health foundations. So things like reducing stress, things like moving more, things like sleep, which we're talking about. I I think for for lots of women, when they're really busy in their 20s, 30s, these things, probably they know a lot of them already, but they can kind of get a little bit skewed and they can go a little bit off piste. So in a way, we're just I think it's really perimenopause is very much a time to reassess what's happening, have a bit of a kind of life audit uh, and reevaluate, you know, where your health is currently sitting and how you want it to kind of play out over the next, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Because, you know, we are we're living longer. So if you're perimenopause or kind of age, I don't know, early 40s, you know, essentially we've got half of our lives left to live. And we want to make sure that we're doing it as healthily and as proactively and as, you know, as rewardingly as possible. That's a wonderful prospect to think about, right? Like, how am I going to set myself up to just feel amazing for the next 40, you know, like for the next career or the next relationship or the next, however I want to live my life. That's completely, I think there's this real sort of trope whereby women think that menopause is the end you know it's like the end of fertility it's the end of life as you know it it's aid you know you're you're old you're past it but actually it's like you say it's like this kind of rebirth that's how I like to to position it particularly to younger women so if younger women are listening it is a time for it's it's like a sort of in I mean in China in in Asia they call it the second spring so it is Uh, You know, you will like that, right? I'm writing it down. Second spring. Second spring. It's your second act. It's just, it's the next chapter. And you want to make sure that you are feeling as vital as possible. And most of the women that I hang out with, and I'm sure you will be the same because, you know, you tend to attract the same people, right? Right. Um, They are hugely positive and they are totally bossing it you know in their careers they are changing relationships they're getting rid of things that don't you know that no longer work for them it's 
hugely, hugely positive. And that's what I wanted to put in the book too, is to spin this kind of narrative um, of menopause as being this kind of final act, spin it on its head. I was in a course the other day for health coaching and one of the facilitators in the course was referring to this time of life as the legacy forming time of life. I like so that. Also this thing of like, you know, do what you're doing, 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 doing. And then it's, you get to pause, do the life audit, as you said, and then say, okay, what legacy do I really want to leave? You know, yeah. do I want to leave this legacy of fun? Do I want to leave a legacy of justice do I you know whatever you know change yeah. yeah yeah whatever it is that's so it's great. brilliant it's brilliant and also you've got the tools you've got the experience you've got the intuition you know you know yourself you're probably a lot more comfortable in your skin age kind of 40 than you were in your well I know I am in my than I was in my 20s and you give less of a damn about what people think about you. Uh, and you just, I think there's this, you, you do have time kind of on, on in, in the back of your mind and you just feel like you are going to make the most of what you've got. I think that's an important part when we talk about mental health, right? This idea of my personal experience is that as I get older, as my child gets older as well and doesn't need me in the same way, and also has taught me very much about how to yeah. love someone, right? That I am very loving towards myself as well. And, and very much like, oh yeah, no, I don't need that. I don't need, I, if it's mean-spirited, I don't need yeah. it. I'm not going to like get caught up in why somebody said something mean or why someone treats me a particular way. It's just a very clear, there's a lot of, you know, there's the brain fog that comes, but there's a lot of mental clarity that comes too, where it's like, oh yeah, no, I know what that is and where that goes. So I'm and that isn't serving me. And so I'm not even going to give it, you know, I'm not going to give it any more time. Yeah, I love that. And I think obviously that is a real, that's very intuitive. And you've obviously done a lot of work and you are very self-aware, but I see lots of women who haven't, who aren't there, you know, and they just need kind of almost permission for to take that time and to a lots of women see it as being really selfish. And it's like, no, 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 you need, you know, this is your time. It very much is a time for self-reflection. And like I say, you know, making things, making a change for the better. When you say, you know, people often feel like taking that time and that self-reflection or even, you know, saying like, I'm going to focus on my health now at this point, like things have gotten to a point where enough is happening that I need to stop and take stock. Same is true for rest often, I think, you know, like people feel like they'll just burn themselves right through between friendships, relationships, parenting, working, trying to be a better person, like all that stuff. And we'll just keep burning and burning and burning mm. through. And so let's start to talk a little bit about um, sleep and rest and just sort of like your, with your approach that you use of like not restricting, not saying you have to do this and it has to be like this and you have to feel like this when you get up in the morning. But I just want to kind of like go through some topics with you and let you give some of the good practical advice for the listeners that you are so excellent at. <laughs> are you ready? Thank are you, you ready for a lightning round? Hit me, hit me. Okay. Talk to us about food, food and sleep. 
I think people want a magic bullet quite often. Unfortunately, when it comes to lots of things, but particularly food and sleep, there isn't one necessarily. But something just to kind of have in the back of your mind is to start thinking about foods, perhaps that are higher in an amino acid called tryptophan. So we find it in, you know, lots of different foods and it's the precursor to melatonin. And we know that melatonin is that kind of sleepy hormone it might, you know, it, it, for some women, it, it helps just to kind of look to those sources. So things like poultry, so chicken and turkey. It's actually, it's one of the reasons why we are said to fall asleep at Thanksgiving or at Christmas, you know, because invariably we've had kind of those kind of high poultry sources in our in our meal. But also, you know, there's things like tofu and Greek yogurt, nuts and seeds and chickpeas. Um, and just to, to, you know, something else to think about is to, to pair a tryptophan rich food with a carbohydrate rich food because Ooh, that helps <laughs> because uh, people are so kind of scared of, of carbs aren't they yeah. but if you pair the two together it really helps that tryptophan to cross the blood brain barrier so that you're getting those kind of the calming effects let's say of that amino acid in the brain where you need it we also need to think about you know lots of b vitamins so particularly b6 um, and B12. And if you're vegan or vegetarian, you're probably not getting enough B12. So you really do need to think about supplementing. I mean, I'm not really a massive fan of supplements where they're not needed. I think it's really important to look to, sorry, to look to food first. But that's one of the examples, you know, when really you do need to be looking to a pill, let's say. And also magnesium. Do you take magnesium? I don't. I do take some supplements really in the forms usually of herbs. Mm-hmm. And I took magnesium when I was postpartum. Uh-huh. And did you find it helped? You know, it sends me, sorry, I'm sorry, everyone. It sends me to the bathroom. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I don't yes. need that help. So then it's okay. Yeah. So there is a, there is a certain type, because there's lots of different magnesium. So magnesium citrate, which is probably the one that you were taking, can cause loose stools. But some women, they really like that because as you head into perimenopause, you know, things get a lot more sluggish. So actually a little helping hand can be quite helpful. But Liz, if that's not you, yeah, there's, but there's lots of different types. There's magnesium glycinate, which is much more kind of readily absorbed and it's much gentler actually on the stomach and has been shown to really help with, uh, with sleep. So take it, if you take it just before bed, put it next to your, you know, on your bedside table, just so that you remember to take it. Or I tell you another good thing is to either use a magnesium spray. So you just spray it on your, yeah, on like the soles of your feet. Or sometimes if you've, uh, I don't know, if you've been working out and you've got delayed, uh, you know, muscle soreness, you can spray it onto the, your, I don't know, your glutes or wherever, you know, you're feeling it. But also Epsom salts. I bet you use Epsom salts, don't you? I do. I do. I love some Epsom salts. Yeah. So that's magnesium chloride. And you can kind of absorb that through the skin. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like I like Epsom salts because it's like pulling all the yuck out. That's how I think about it. And just so so good for muscle relaxation. So lots of women suffer from things like restless legs. So it can be really helpful for that. And just really calming. You know, it's such a perfect kind of addition, I think, to your wind down routine that hopefully, uh, you know, people are starting to kind of instill as they yeah, I don't know. As we head into winter, I think it's super helpful having a really nice bath, you know, some essential oils, 
some Epsom salts, and I think you're set up for a really nice sleep. So part of, in Ayurveda, we talk about the environment and nature being an extension of your individual body, and that your individual body is an extension of the environment and nature. And so winter naturally is asking of us to slow down, it gets darker earlier, all of that. So that then, you know, we're not out hanging out late at night, so we can take an Epsom salt bath with the essential oils. (laughs) So true. Some magnesium on the soles of the feet and then boom. And you do, you feel that real kind of hibernating feeling kicking in, don't you? Yeah. I love it. I have to not fight it. Right. And just be like, oh, this this is the time. Yeah. And it's a real time for rest and relaxation. Like you say, even, you know, it's mimicked in nature, isn't it? With, with animals hibernating, but also, you know, with it's a time, you know, in farming whereby the soil is, you know, it's, it's gone to rest and it's replenishing, ready to become more kind of fertile when, when spring hits. That you can't, you can't produce constantly. It's impossible to produce constantly without depleting, right? Yeah. That this is this natural time to, and, you know, going back to kind of what we were talking about before of this perimenopausal time being a time to just sort of like, okay let me pause. I've been producing a lot growing and, you know, moving forward and giving and, you know, building on things. So let me pause now to see what I want to cultivate next. That's why it's called menopause, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's the truth. That pause. (laughs) It's telling you, it's telling you something. And so everyone has the um, opportunity to like have that mini menopause for winter. And so go through that little cycle, follow the menopausal women, the people who are going through menopause and have a, have a little taste of it in winter. Gather your strength up so that you can, because we're all spreading ourselves too thin. And that's when, you know, mental health problems can start to kick in and you know you just you become less resilient because you just haven't got those reserves anymore pause you don't notice the initial signs right and then oh yeah it just you know escalate to and suddenly you've fallen off a cliff and that's what I see a lot in my clients they have been struggling on very very stoically for you know five seven ten years giving to all you know their family their friends running themselves on empty saying yes to things that they really do not want to do um and then suddenly you know they are kind of holed up in bed or they get a really bad virus or you know they they just can't cope anymore yeah going back to this winter mini menopause i love it i love it start thinking of it as the mini menopause (laughs) Also, the the light and dark has an effect on our sleep ability or let me rephrase it this way. The light and dark in winter is really supporting sleep in particular ways. So talk a little bit about that. And and while we do that, let's link in just the circadian rhythm or as you put in your book, the body clock, which I love. And I feel like Olivia Newton-John should sing a song about the body clock. So yeah, the circadian rhythm, you know, it, it affects us physically, mentally. It affects our kind of behavioral patterns because we follow this, this 24-hour cycle. Um, and it's very much governed by light and dark. And that's, that's the same with animals. It's the same with humans. It's the same with flowers. You know, they kind of curl up and, you know, hide their petals and then they come out in the daytime. I mean, it's all 
it's kind of synchronized by this master clock in our hypothalamus in our brain and it's it's very much we respond to cues so like you say light and dark um and when those cues are kind of thrown off we can experience insomnia and disrupted sleep you know it's it's how jet lag works basically so yes the the important thing if i'm going to cut the chase is we need to expose our retina our you know our eyeballs literally expose them to as much daylight as we can first thing in the morning in the first half of the day because that helps to set your your body clock we need to then spin that on its head so that we're you know keeping our evenings very dim which is why i think we we kind of feel like we want to hibernate in the winter it, it's it's very natural whereas in the summer you might need to use blackout blinds or eye masks or things like that i am currently sitting it's pitch black outside in in london oh, now right. it's it's yeah. six o'clock six p.m um, and I've like because it's so dark in my office. I've got I've got the overhead lights on. I've got three ring lights on. I mean, I am literally the blue light is just going crazy. So I quite often tell women, and I used to laugh at this, but you know, to wear these blue light blocking glasses because you know I'm wow. British. So my my oh, default hi. setting is to be really cynical about everything. So I was like, oh my god, there's no way they're going to work. You know, it's like the kind of reserve of biohackers, but. They are brilliant in this kind of situation where you have got to work because we can't all shut down tools, you know, bang on 6 p.m. every night. Right. Um, so, yeah, that that would be one of my tips. You can get, you you know, buy them online really, really cheaply. And yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, it, it, there is very much we do need to just make sure, I think, that we are getting as much daylight and exposure, particularly, I think, exercising outside if you can first thing in the morning is brilliant and then like I say just flipping it on its head and making sure that we are keeping everything nice and dim lighting candles turning off the overhead lights um, and just being really calm as we enter into evening I have been experimenting with that personally recently that very thing of like you know making sure that I am being exposed to sunlight at at all possible first thing in the morning you know even like at sunrise because we have to get up early I love love <laughs> love the blue blockers um and then also mostly in the evening that takes a little more effort for me is to like really dim the lights down really say I'm not gonna look at the emails I'm really like it's like dinner chill and you know get in the bed and often it's that turning things off that can be challenging in the evening. And so uh, you talk in the book about offloading a little bit in the form of journaling, that like, if you are the type of person who has a lot going on in the head or a lot that you are responsible for, that you really need to set it down at certain times in the day or certain times in your life. And in the evenings is one of those times to prepare for sleeping. So do you have any particular journaling prompts that you give people? Or do you just say just like free write and just get it out, out of your body, out of your brain? I Well, I think we need to feel safe. You know, you need to feel safe and kind of well, uh, you know, in order to sleep soundly. So you know, lots of us, like you say, are so busy all day that actually the only time you get to reflect on the what's happened in the day is when you're in bed. So we kind of want to preempt that almost by journaling. What I tend to do, and there is no fixed, you know, literally you can scribble down things, you can make lists. I tend to set myself three well-being goals at the beginning of every month, and I try and follow them for that month. So it might be avoiding alcohol, doing 10,000 steps, 
turning my phone off at 9 p.m. So what I will do in, I have a journal, it's huge, but it's here, you'll see it's massive. Okay, that is serious. So every night I will tick off what I've done of my three wellbeing goals. I don't always hit them. And then I will reflect on the day just very, very quickly. I might write a to-do list that I've got because otherwise those ruminating thoughts will keep me up, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll write a to-do list for the next day. I'll look over my schedule, you know, just so that I haven't got any kind of nasty surprises. And then... I will write down three things. And, you know, this is quite a common thing these days, writing down three things that I'm grateful for. for. Um, Because, you know, the research actually shows that it is very helpful in terms of rewiring our neurons. So, you know, we start to, the the more often we're doing this, the, the more likely we are to start thinking, you know, more positively. And for me, as a kind of cynic, cynical Piscean, that is not a bad thing. Yeah, it's never a bad thing. I really want to find a different word from gratitude because I also ha- am like a real skeptic at heart and and I just, I resist it. It's overused, right. it isn't works, it? It works. It, it does, does work. It's like wellness. Wellness is also overused. Yeah, but it, it's the kind, of, it's like all of these things that we're talking about. It doesn't happen overnight. You've got to really, you know, be consistent and be persistent because these changes do take time. And they are supported by nature, right? Like, they, it, so it's all, it's it's really just about undoing the covering up that we've done, the, the obstacles that we've put in the way of these things. It's not like it becomes like, I must do this now, robotic. Yeah. I have to yeah. do this and then I take this step. But eventually back to our water sign thing, there's like a flow that starts to happen that sort of takes over once we've undone some of the conditioning against it. Yeah, we need to be realistic. We live in a really busy world. We've got, we're pulled and pushed, you know, all over the place. But these small changes, I truly believe can make, they can, these tiny tweaks can make big changes. I agree with you completely. I'm so glad you're out in the world telling people about these changes, working with people, being in relationship with people to help make these changes happen. I'm happy to be doing similar work as well. We're uh, very much on the same page, aren't we? It's true, as we always have been. I mean, for better or worse. (laughs) Let's not go there. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really cool the way that you're working, the way that you're bringing this up to the forefront, who you're bringing up to the forefront. And thank you for all the work that you do. Tell us how people can, can find you in your website, your social, and give us the title of your book again. So the book is called The Perimenopause Solution. You can buy it in the UK in all good bookshops but I don't I think if overseas you would probably look at the book depository um I don't want to say Amazon but Amazon you will find me at emmabardwell.com or on Instagram at emma.bardwell and we will put all of that in the show notes as well okay thank you so much Emma So good to chat to you. Thanks for having me. I want to end by giving you a little treat, hopefully. And, and also for the listeners. So in these episodes, I like to give a short practice at the end that my guest and my listeners can take and use and try out and see if it works for them. 
And so this one is a practice that I learned from yoga teacher Dharma Mitra, whose class I took on Wednesdays at noon for years. And at the end of the yoga asana class, when we're going to lie in Shavasana, he would turn the music off and he would guide us into Shavasana. So if you're listening and you happen to be lying down, you can do this lying down, or you can even just do it sitting up. And so just find yourself getting into, Emma's turning off some of the ring lights. She's getting into the natural dark. Hopefully you're gonna have a relaxing evening now when we end this conversation. And you can either close your eyes or you can just sort of soften your gaze a little bit. And one of the things that can be helpful for calming the nervous system in preparation for rest or for sleep is just taking your attention through the body. So that's what I'm gonna guide us into for this practice. So just listen to my voice and let your attention go to the various parts of your body that I'm guiding you to. And just notice it, just feel it. Send your attention there. So notice your left hand, arm, and shoulder, your right hand, arm, and shoulder. Feel your left foot, leg, knee, thigh, right foot, leg, knee, and thigh. Notice your pelvis, your hips, the glutes, lower back, middle back, upper back, your abdomen and chest, collarbones, neck, face, head, feel your whole body one complete unit. Let your body be heavy and let the ground hold you. If you're lying in your bed, let the bed hold you. And then if you're drifting off to sleep after you do this, you just drift right on off to sleep. If you're not, you can wiggle fingers and toes a little bit. You can Butter the eyes open and just take in the space around you. Let your breathing do what it's going to do. And have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to bewellpsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's bewellpsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.